welcome to episode 78 of the False Neutral Podcast, the June 2018 episode. I am Peter, known online as Tanchinomi for reasons that are too involved to go into here. And with me are my two co-hosts, Garrett and Eric. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going? Good evening. Another consecutive episode with the three of us together. Yes. This Miracles once a m- happen every month. <laughs> well, you know, when you're doing it once a month, you can make a little bit more of a priority for it than if it's every week. Yeah. Well, let's start as we traditionally do with the workshop update. As promised, I did Zippo, not a nothing except maybe sweep the floor. Yeah, I haven't done a whole lot in my workshop since the TX750 is still in the new owner's possession. <laughs> it's, I think about every day, well, I anticipate getting a call every day, <laughs> and I have yet to have one, so that's a good sign. That means that either the motorcycle is working like it's supposed to after I fixed everything that could be fixed, or the person just doesn't have the a minerals clue how to it call should... me. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe it doesn't have a clue as to how it is supposed to work. So. Yeah, well, that, that that is probably the more likely scenario. Uh, so I've just been putting some miles on my FC one, which feels good to be able to do without having to work on it. Yeah. So that's, I haven't really done anything in the shop, Well, I actually, I take that back. I tinkered on my trail 70 just a little bit, just, uh, working on the jetting. It's always been a little bit weird, so I didn't make any progress, but I did work on it. I printed off the directions for putting in the ignition, and I went and bought oil and found my spare uh, oil filter for the bike. Um, and then I also went and looked at it and saw that there's about two inches of dust on it. But it was more important to get my wife's bicycle ready for for her to ride. So that's that was my workshop. <laughs> that was my workshop time. I've been supposed to change the oil on my car for three weeks and I have yet to do that. I think I got to run it through the quick lube place tomorrow before I leave. So <laughs> yeah, I, I have everything ready to go. I, I do not change my own oil in cars. It's just too easy to take it to somebody. I do. And, and not to turn this into a four wheel podcast, but it takes me longer to drive to a place than it does to just change oil really quick. Like I don't really want to do it, but then I think about it would actually take me less time to just, Drain the oil, throw a filter on it, refill it with oil. I I, I have yeah. either two or three places within three quarters of a mile of my house. So yeah, um, and also I just don't like working on cars. Yeah, that's true. I don't like working on motorcycles either. So <laughs> <laughs> well, then you've chosen a very strange hobby. I know. <laughs> uh, that but is to, true. Uh, once I get through this. Well, I can't say once I get through this weekend because pretty much every every other weekend I've got something going on. But my goal is because it's this time of the year where it's not stupidly hot at night around here yet. And it's light till about 930. I'm hoping like after dinner, a couple nights, I can just go outside and go work on it and, you know, and, and do that. So we'll see. Well, I am booked up every weekend and a lot of weeknights from now until but like the second or third week of August. Wow. Yeah, I have a very busy summer, which is why I just told myself, just put it all away, don't do anything. So Yeah. But, uh, Gary, you did buy a helmet. I did. Well, I don't remember what I had talked about on the last podcast, but I, I initially was looking at modular helmets. I had narrowed down 
what I wanted to buy to um, an HJC modular. One thing that I have noticed with modulars, just in general, is they all seem really cheaply made. Even looking in like the the two hundred dollar price range, I was really unimpressed with the quality of of all of them. Really, to be honest, um, until you step up into you know like the showy Neotech, and, and then that that range of helmet is um, there aren't a lot of options that are like really really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's a handful, um, but then in the two hundred dollar price range, there's a lot of helmets, but they all just seem so cheap. Um, I ended up settling on the HJC iOS Max 2. I've ridden an HJC helmet in the past, and it ran a little bit big, and they didn't have any helmets to try on locally, so I ended up just having to order one and ordered it in my normal medium size and got it, and it was actually just too big. So I had to return it. Cycle Gear didn't have any smalls, so I ended up having to find a plate and it's maybe there's like a back order. I ended up having to search around to try to find a small, finally found one, ordered it. Now I have it. It fits. fits just like it's supposed to. And so I've ridden it a few times and I like the helmet. It is not nearly as nice as my Bell helmet that I also recently bought. I have the Bell Star helmet, which is you know, 250 ish dollars. Right. I bought the, the HJC modular, which is um, comparable in price, just a little over $200 for it. And hands down the bell is 10 times the helmet. It's, it's more comfortable. It looks way higher quality. The padding is much nicer, but I just wanted a modular. So I got the HJC. I know bill has a modular, but the reviews were kind of iffy and they didn't have any locally to look at. So I just went ahead and got the HAC. It's nice enough. It's functional. And more importantly, my Senna installs in it, which is the whole reason why I bought a modular. But yeah, all in all, it's a decent helmet. It'll work. Have you ridden with it yet? Yeah. yeah. When I figured out I needed a new helmet because my Senna didn't fit in the bell, I thought about getting a modular because I didn't have a modular, but I didn't really know why I would need a modular. Um, if that makes sense. But I, you know, I ended up buying one and I, I flipped the helmet up only because I can, but not because I ever feel like I need to. So th- I've just, I haven't really sold myself on the whole modular helmet thing. So it's kind of weird. I'm getting used to it. Are, do you normally ride by yourself? Yeah. See, th- I think that's a big difference is, the majority of my riding time is with my wife. And when yeah. you're with somebody, the ability to, at a stop sign, flip up your face shield and talk to each other, even though we have the communicators, yeah, it's really nice, even when you, like, stop for gas, you know, yeah. and you're just going to fill up. You can flip that up and talk to each other and actually make eye contact and see expressions. And it, yeah. it's just – and also, you can snack on something. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> – I feel like I'll be able to drink my coffee if I ever go on like a long ride, just like, you know, have my little gyroscopic cup holder and be able to drink my coffee on the road. Uh, but even filling up for gas, I like the opportunity, even in that five minutes to take my helmet off and just let my head breathe for a minute. Yeah. Way back when this is, I'm going back to 80, 81, 82, when I was in community college, there was a guy, 
he deliberately bought a Hondamatic, a uh-huh. CM400A. Oh yeah. So he could drink, so he could drink his coffee on the way to work and not have to grab, he had one of those little, you know, swiveling buoy buddy, uh, yeah. swiveling mug holders. Yep. He'd get his little styrofoam cup at the, at the <laughs> quick trip, get his coffee and he'd ride to work drinking his coffee with an open face helmet. And he's like, I can't have a closed face helmet and I can't have a, a, a clutch lever because then I can't drink my coffee. On my way yeah. in, into school every day. He was an older gentleman that was going back to school. And I thought, I didn't realize that was a selling point for automatic well, transmission motorcycles. But When I envision where I want to be in my motorcycling life, it's on a gigantic land yacht of a motorcycle with a cup holder for my coffee that swivels <laughs> around and just... Waking up early in the morning, setting off with my coffee, and just drinking it with my cruise control set down I, the highway. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say that Sarah does have one of those swiveling cup holders on the handlebars of her spider. Yep. Yeah. We'd have manual transmissions, but, you know, cruise hit the cruise control, use your throttle hand. It's actually on the right-hand side, so she just takes a drink. Long yep. straw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's actually got the, it's, yeah, the insulated uh, commuter mug with the straw in it. Did you um, look at the uh, Shark or the Scorpion models at all when you were looking yes. for modular? Yeah. The short answer is yes. I know not they're more the expensive. Shark. Not the Shark, but the Scorpion. And I don't remember what the model was, but there was one that was um, just slightly more than the HJC. And I guess the short of it is is it was no nicer, but gotcha. slightly more money. Gotcha. Um, but I didn't <clears throat> look at a Shark. Okay. I did see there is, um, just to add, there was a Nolan, uh, on a discounted price. And I think it was just maybe slightly under 300 or maybe right at 300. And I, I considered that, but the, the yeah. N91. Yeah. That might have been it. I just, I pulled up the Revzilla site and I was, was looking at what else is around at that price. So I was yeah. Just... When I was just shopping for helmets, I looked at a Joe Rocket hybrid helmet mm-hmm. uh i think it's an rkt is the name of the helmet and i picked it up and i was like wow this is nice and light and everything and i put it on it fit well but i started looking at not the styrofoam foam on the inside but the mm-hmm. cushioning foam was so cheap i thought yeah. this is going to last about six months and i was like wow for what you pay for one of because that's not a it's not a cheap helmet uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not super expensive, but and also they didn't have them in anything other than I think flat black and gloss black, or you know, like gray and black. I really like to have something red, yellow, day glow, something because that's the highest point on you. Yeah, and yeah, that's that's another reason. I the helmet that I got is mostly black, but where it's not black, it's high vis. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted something with some high vis color on it. Um, and, you know, I should say it sounds like I'm kind of dogging on the HAC and it's not that. I think what it is, is the bell helmet for the price is just so, so nice. It is at least as nice as my Arai helmet. And it was uh, less than half the price, the Arai. And um, I hadn't ever had a bell helmet before until this star that I bought. And I think I'm just um, 
kind of spoiled on the quality for the price of that helmet. And so then I'm comparing, you know, like an HJC at a similar price point. And it's not nearly as nice a helmet, but I think it's as nice a helmet as you should expect for $200 and $210. I think the, the Bell is just a much nicer helmet than you would expect for $200. So I think had I not bought that Bell first, the HJC, I would have thought a lot more of it. I think it would have been a much nicer helmet in my perspective, but the Bell kind of spoiled me. Okay. Uh, Eric, I know that on the last podcast we talked about, you got a horrendously ugly offer on a, well. Oh, I don't an, know if that's an, fair. And <laughs> an offer on a horrendously <laughs> ugly motorcycle. And, yes. um, I don't even know if that's fair. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's being kind. And, um, you got another one. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. No, the, all right. No, no, I was thinking about the metal flake Suzuki with the saddlebags on it that he. Yeah. No, I thought you were talking about the horrendously ugly offer being the Harley. And no, I, I didn't no, no, think no. that that was fair. No. Yeah. No, the original I... offer. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when was it? Sa- Saturday or Sunday? I get an email, uh, a text from this guy. Uh, actually, I have my text up here so I can tell you exactly when it was. Uh, the second. So whatever the second was. Guy sends me some photos of this Harley and says, hey, would you do this bike and um, four grand in cash? It says maybe 4,500 in cash plus the plus Harley, which is a 1988 FXR. And I'm like, yeah, it was Saturday because I was at the track when that uh, I was announcing at the drag strip when when I got this thing. And um like I, I am so not a Harley person. <laughs> and I texted a buddy of mine, Dot in Chattanooga, who is, and just asked him. I said, "What do you know about these bikes?" And he's like, "They're awesome. Just go search like FXR on on Instagram, and they're like, they're all over the place. These are like that's a, that's a great bike." And I'm like, "Okay, well, guys offering me like four grand or forty five hundred plus this bike for my car, which I'm asking nine grand." And he's like, "You should seriously consider it." He says, and I said, well, I suppose I could always sell the bike and then, uh, and then just take that cash and then I'm good. And he goes, no, you won't sell the bike if you get it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> well, so I text the guy the next day, let's take a look at this. Let's, you know, whatever. And he's like, all right. So we're trying to make arrangements to go do it, which is why I, when we were trying to schedule the show, I said, hey, can we do Wednesday? Cause it was supposed to be yesterday. I was supposed to go. Over to his house with my car, check out his bike, blah, blah, blah. So I text him because I had heard from him. I said, Hey, we still, we still doing this. And he's like, Yeah, I had a guy come by and put a deposit down on the bike. Mm, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. And I didn't hear from him. So I'm assuming it got picked up and I got to ping him like, All right. Well, you got all the cash now. So are you still interested? But, uh, yeah, we'll see. It was, it's, it looked to be in, I, I shared some, a couple photos, I think, in, in the Slack chat feed, if you want to throw that in the, in the show or whatever. It's a decent looking bike. It's, you know, it's a third, was a 1340 big twin bike, I guess. And shovel hood, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I guess it's a nice bike and I'm not really interested in it, but to go ride it for a month or two in the summer and then sell it. I guess I could have been down with that just as something to ride. Yeah, so. and, and that and Harley if, if at nothing that else, price point, I yeah, don't feel and, like it's ever going to be worth less than what it is now. Yeah, yeah. And, and I figured, well, those are the two things. A, it'll either confirm my bias of like, yeah, I'm not a Harley <laughs> guy. I'm like, okay, well, I, I see the I see the appeal, just not for me, right? Yeah. So it could have – I figured it would have – I posted some 
pictures in our in our show chat about uh was it, it was an 82 or 83 i think it was an 83 uh fxrs which was just the same thing with a little bit of extra doodads a little bit more chrome on it and uh a second disc that my buddy had when i was in the army he bought it new i didn't ride it that much but when i did it was a really nice bike i was very now i was impressed in 1983 so <laughs> what i had to compare it with was a little bit different out of all the harleys in the world that's that's one that i would be interested in having it's a super glide uh is the specific model this right. one was so right. Yeah, 1340 with uh, 3,800 original miles on it. So 3,800 wow. miles? Oh, I'm sorry, 38, sorry, no, no, sorry, 38,000, sorry. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> like, you messed up by not jumping on that. Yeah, no, 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 3,800, I would have like, yeah, that's a that's kind of a no-brainer at that point. So, and yeah. I mean, unless the bike was, because it's been neglected, it's only got 3,800 miles. Kind of like my XS400, it's only got 1,000 miles on it because it's mostly been neglected. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed so. that that guy also has a Buell Firebolt in his garage too. I asked him about that. It's, it's the little motor one. <laughs> Is it's that what X, it was? Yeah, that's an XB9. Okay, because I I that's I had pinged him about it because I'm like I might be more interested in that Buell than I am in the Harley, but yeah, apparently that's gone. So oh okay, like, like yeah, yeah, no, no, trust me. I'm like hmm, I'd I'd be up for the Buell. I mean, I've yeah. ridden, I've ridden an S1 Lightning. It was all right. Yeah. And yeah, the, their, their style really cool. They have a terrible, uh, resale values. So yeah, they're like three grand or something yeah. for one of those things. I'm like, if nothing else, like I may buy it's one. It's a just lot of bikes cheap. for the money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, someday I, if I come across another one of those, uh, bigger motor light or firebolts, I'll probably pick one up again. The, um, and when I was looking at Buell prices, trying to figure out what that thing would be worth, um, there are two 1125 R's around me. Yeah. For five grand. Yeah, there's one, or it was on Portland Craigslist not long ago, uh, five grand, 1125 I, I do remember when they went out of business that time. Mm-hmm, <laughs> no, that, no, time. Like just that time. <laughs> that time. Uh, that they were trying to get rid of them, and they were going for like five, 5,500, 6,500 bucks at that point in time. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's they- a killer motor, that 1125 motor. Uh, the design is, is awful. The styling, I should say, of that 1125R. But the motor's great. Rotax motor. Uh, I speaking of uh, new, weird, different motorcycles. My friend with the Prelia Tuano, he just sold his FCO nine. Just bought for some odd reason. You'll never guess what it is. An African twin Ninja, Ninja three hundred. <laughs> I kid going, you not. Is he I going racing with it or something? No, no, no. No, just just for giggles, bought a Ninja, Ninja 300. So, uh, and it's funny, anytime he gets something new, it doesn't matter what it is, motorcycles, anything else. It is the, in his mind, it's the best thing he's ever had, <laughs> like at that moment. Um, Wait a minute, he's driving a Tuano and he's telling <laughs> yeah. you that the Ninja 300 is the best thing he's ever had. Well, not the best, I should rephrase that. He bought the Ninja 300 and after a day of riding it, texted me and he's like, this is the most fun motorcycle I've ever ridden in my life. Hey, and, maybe. It, but like, yeah, I mean, so he brought it over to me and he, he had to have me ride it. Um, and so I went and rode it around and I just couldn't do it. 
I think that the Ninja 300 is great for what it is, but it is so slow when when you're used to riding, uh, you know, a full size thousand cc bike. It is just so slow. You're always waiting for it to do something. Plus, you always have to be between seven thousand and thirteen thousand RPMs. In fact, just going down the freeway at sixty miles an hour is it like seventy two hundred RPMs? It's just always always winging and is it is it is it it vibrating like crazy at that speed or is it fairly smooth or it's it's fairly smooth um and it's like you don't really you don't you don't get the feeling that it's spinning that high um just because it's so heavily muffled and the engine is so small um but but yeah i i didn't share his enthusiasm (laughs) to, to put it that way um, I, yeah, I rode it for like a quarter mile and just had to get off of it. And it's also really cramped. Um, I forgot how cramped those bikes are, but you know, the seat height is really low, but they have to keep the foot pegs up enough so they're not dragging everywhere. So it's just, I don't know, really you know, uncomfortable. There, there's something position. neat about a small bike, small, narrow, yeah, nimble bike. But I know when I test rode the 390 Duke. Mm-hmm. I felt like my chin was about above the headlight and yeah. it was, it, it really kind of, it, it, it didn't inspire a lot of confidence when you're in traffic and stuff and you're like, I feel like I'm sitting on a postage stamp, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that I would probably, um, like the Ninja 400 10 times more than the 300. I think just that extra 10 horsepower would make a big difference. But, and it's, and it's yeah. physically a bigger bike. Yeah. I know that Kawasaki has talked about making a 400 four-cylinder, which I think would be really neat. That would be. But uh Yeah, especially for class racing, yeah. I think. So, especially if it wasn't a sleeved down 600 that was the same size and weight as a 600 and just less power. If it if it was right. truly like some of the older 400s that were 250s, you know, board and stroked. Board yeah. and stroked to 400s and that and were quite a bit lighter, that would yeah. be neat. So. Yep. Um uh, Eric, you were up in Canada doing some uh, announcing. Yep. So the last weekend, well, Memorial Day weekend for us, uh, not for them in Canada, uh, I went up to Shannonville for the opening round of their National Superbike Series, and I was announcing there at, at the track. None of the – I wasn't doing any of the TV stuff, although I did try. Or I offered, I should say. Uh, <laughs> I, they've got that set, but it's it's fine. It's all – it's 99% of it's just voiceover work. So it's, it's not that big of a deal. Um, so yeah, I was up there, uh, that weekend. And then, uh, as we record this tomorrow, I'm headed back up to Grand Bend, which is like an hour or so north of Sarnia. Um, so if you're looking at Detroit, if you're looking at a map of Michigan, you go to Detroit, you go about an hour up the shore to Port Huron, go across the bridge to Sarnia, and then continue up the coastline in um, in Canada, you'll find Grand Bend up that way. So uh, it's a really small track, as a lot of tracks in Canada are, and it's only the second year they're running. And um, but So that'll be that, and then I'll, I'll announce one more round um, later this year in early August. So um, three rounds I'm announcing up there and it was, it was fun. It was, it was great to see some racing. Uh, again, the, they're running the, uh, what they're calling amateur, um, 
sport amateur light sport bikes, I think is the official name of the class. And that's the R3s and the Ninja 400s and the Ninja 300s and CB 500s and stuff like that. And, um, it was really good except for the kid who won, who was just so much faster than everybody else. Like he just was gapping everyone like a second and a half, uh, a lap on a, uh, it's a 4.3, is it 4.3 kilometer? track so not just a little over two mile track and he was he was doing like over a second and a half a lap faster so on on what bike on a r3 okay so the in canada it's they have like a a weight to horsepower formula for all the bikes just because they're so diverse Mm -hmm. and uh, it's like most of their like the super bikes and the sport bikes are horsepower limited at whatever depending on pro or amateur um and the they didn't do that with the with the light bikes just because they're so diverse in weights and stuff like that uh, that they just came up with sort of a horsepower to weight ratio and basically on a Ninja 400 you can kind of put an uh, aftermarket uh, like after the catalytic converter you can put one of those cans on and you can change the valving and the forks and the shock and that's about all you can do on a 400 yeah. just because it's it's got so much more torque and power than everything else so. Well, other than the Honda, but that's like a hundred pounds heavier than everything else. So, um, it all evens out, but that was good. And yeah, the racing, some of the racing was a little boring, um, just because a couple of people ran away with it. But if you announcing is always fun because you look for the packs of uh, the battles further back in the pack and get to call out some people who don't always get a lot of, um, airtime. So it was fun. And if you look on YouTube, there's some of the races already up there. It's CD, um, uh, CSBK or CDN Superbike or something like that's their YouTube channel. Um, and you can, you can watch them over there. You won't hear me. You'll hear, um, Frank Wood and who I announce with and then, uh, Colin Wood, who's the organizer of the series, uh, or Colin Wood, um, Colin Frazier and uh, who I interview, who interv- I interviewed, uh, and was on the podcast back in September last year. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that was fun. And like I say getting to get to go do that again and looking. Very much looking forward to that um, this weekend. So, very good. I'm assuming you guys saw a few weeks back um, the motorcyclist racing in Moto Three who r- rode over a another fallen motorcycle and jumped off of it like three feet in the air and landed. Did you guys see that? No, I, didn't I saw that. I saw the picture. I haven't gone back to watch the race. I'm like two races behind right now. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just. I didn't watch a race. I just watched the, all the highlights of the person jumping. It was remarkable. The rider jumped, like, basically had no other way to go but go uh, on top of a, a down motorcycle, caught air off of it, was, like, I mean, a couple feet in the air, but landed safely and kept going, kept riding. Wow. It was a pretty remarkable incident in racing. That sounds yeah. like a Hollywood Definitely. stunt that you'd see and go, yeah. oh, no way could that ever happen. Yeah, we should put a link to that in there because it's it's pretty remarkable. That do, that doesn't happen very often in racing. So, well, yeah, I, the uh, with with MotoGP, there's a whole silly season as we record this going on that's just absolutely insane. It would take like an all whole hour just to run down. Yeah, you know, we might have to like recap uh, that MotoGP season. Yes, uh, yes, we need we need to have a MotoGP episode at some point toward the end of the season and just go back and look at everything because we don't talk a whole lot about MotoGP because there's other podcasts that probably do a much better job than at least two of us could. But uh, yeah, yeah. 
I was uh, texting back and forth with my buddy Jimbo, uh, Rusty Spokes, who's been on the podcast before, and uh, he was saying, hey, I just got off a plane. I was on a plane with Nick Einach. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Nick Einach, the moto journalist. And he said, yeah, he lives somewhere south of Pueblo and was on a plane and just kind of said hello to him and talked to him for a, a few minutes and... I said, well, you know, I met him once. I met him and Mitch Bohm. And he said, oh, yeah, you need to tell that story on the podcast sometime. So I'm going to take a little time out because it's actually fairly interesting. Back in 86, because it was the year that the EX500 Kawasaki was introduced. So this would have been fall of 86. I went out to California for the new bike introductions, the dealer convention. And... My dad, who's a contact lens engineer, well, well, he's retired now. He's going to be 90 this fall, but he was a contact lens engineer and was at an ophthalmic convention that happened to be across the street. So he had a rental car and I said, hey, let's, you know, sneak away for an afternoon and we'll go driving around Los Angeles. And we ended up on Sunset Boulevard where the Peterson offices were. And I said, oh, Motorcyclist Magazine is in here. So we got out of the car. I happened to have a parking spot right out front on the street. So we parallel parked and walked in. They were like, no, they're across the street. And they were, at the time, housed in this little converted, what I think was a residential home that had been converted into their editorial offices because they didn't have enough room in the Peterson Towers. And my dad and I just knocked on the door and walked in. And evidently that door is locked a hundred percent of the time and just happened to be unlocked that day. So we walked in and we're like, hi, I just a fan figured I'd come in. Art Friedman at the time was the editor in chief or executive editor or whatever. And he was gone for the day, but the two of them were there and they spent probably 30 to 40 minutes talking with me, talking with my dad. They gave me a bunch of back issues, gave me some pins, one of which I still have. I found just the other day. And really, really cool guys that were very interesting. And they just took time out of their day to just visit with us. And uh, I was very, very impressed with both of them. They were they were very accommodating for somebody just barging into your workplace and saying, hey, hi. And the interesting thing is Nick Einach said, hey, we're going out to Willow Springs tomorrow to – test the new FZR 600. Do you want to come? And I'm like, yeah, sounds really good. So I called my boss, who was the one who had sent me out there, and said, hey, I get to go out to Willow Springs with the guys. And he's like, no. I've already signed you up for some educational conferences tomorrow. (laughs) I was like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, no, I sent you out here. You're, what are you doing at Motorcyclist? You're supposed to be at the convention. I was like, so I, I got in trouble for just taking the afternoon off with my dad and I was not able to go out. Not that I had, you know, I don't know what I would have done when I went out there. Obviously they weren't going to let me ride it. I would have just been like watching them ride, but it still would have been a very cool yeah. thing to do and to say that I did. So that's pretty neat though, yeah. that they would be just so accommodating when you walked in. I think that if I worked for, uh, publication and you know doors normally locked and then somebody like walks through it, I'd be like what is going on that door is supposed to be locked through these people yeah, yeah. Oh, this is what what year was this 
80 would have been fall of 86, like October of 86. Yeah. A little, little bit different world back then though, too, That's, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing is my dad and Nick Einach started talking and I think my dad arranged to get him some contact lenses because he nice. didn't like wearing glasses under his helmet when he was racing. And my dad was like, Oh, I can, I can set you up with that. So I, if I ever see him, I'm going to say, did you ever get contact lenses and, did you have to pay for him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he ended up going back to wearing glasses. I remember that from when he raced uh, 250s in the AMA. But Yeah. Well, my I, I, I had so many experimental contact lenses that my back of my eyelids are so scarred that I can't wear contact lenses anymore because I had the same prescription in both eyes and I was perfectly spherical vision. So my dad loved to use me as a test guinea pig <laughs> for all of his new ideas. And it's like, here, try these. Dad, my <laughs> eyes are burning. Yeah, just wear them for a couple hours. See if it goes away. So, <laughs> I I remember um, before I had my eye surgery, we always went back and forth wearing glasses and uh, and contacts when I was racing. And I preferred wearing contacts while I was racing, right up to the point where the contact moved on me and kind of like rotated, kind of like off my eyeball, and so it hurt really bad, and I couldn't see, and it was tearing up really bad. And I had to struggle through like the last three laps of the race, racer practice. I can't remember. Um, and just like, and I'm like, I just make it stop, make it stop. And so from then on, I always wear glasses, but I never liked the idea of wearing glasses because if you crash, it's, you know. Well, and also uh, all you have to do is get that one sweat droplet to run down the center of your glasses. Yeah. And it's the most frustrating thing when you're wearing a full face helmet and you can't wipe off your glasses. So you get that, that, that salt trail right in the middle of your vision. Yeah. I want to try contacts again just because. But wearing progressives, that's not the easiest thing. So anyways. Anyway, so that's off topic. That's, that's a cool story though. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Good story though. Because like it, it tells you how different the world is too. Everyone's like, like Garrett said, can you imagine doing that today? Like you'd have security on you so yeah. fast. Well, and 90% of the journalists out there probably don't go to an office every day. They work out of their home either because they're telecommuting or because they're a freelancer and they don't can't make a full-time living doing yeah. that. Uh, one other thing I was going to bring up, the new Isle of Man TT record was broken on the 37 point seven, four miles or whatever it is of the mm -hmm. mountain course with all of its hedgerows and brick walls and hairpin turns and everything. A hundred and thirty four point four miles an hour average speed for 37 miles through the countryside. And the most remarkable, remarkable thing is it was from a standing start. He did it on the first lap. So it wasn't even a flying start to the lap. Wow. That is really impressive and quite honestly terrifying. Yeah, it's it's pretty darn scary. Uh Dean <laughs> Harrison is the guy's name. And uh I do know they had uh I personally saw one fatality this year. There's at, been at least three. Yeah. I, one was a little high profile for a guy, so uh, I was watching the uh, the forty four teeth guy did a live stream yesterday, and I caught part of it and then watched the rest of it afterwards. And um, he talked. Someone asked if if um, 
Al, um, the bald headed guy, uh, was, was going to run the TT again. And he's like, he's like, I kind of want to, but it's a combination of some of it's money and some of it's, he knew the guy, um, there was another Dan who, who died. It's like, I knew him. That kind of bothered me. There was another crash a couple of years ago where, um, kids were kind of oblivious, didn't even know what happened to, to their father. And it's like, Hey, so he started to have some, some doubts about it. And then the other interesting thing he said is, um, that, cause when you said this, they, they reminded, that's what reminded me of this. That was done on a, on a super full on super bike on a super stock bike. And their super stock rules are pretty much, you know, change of change, the internals of the fork, the shock, throw some slicks on it. And that's about all you can do to right. it. And maybe right. it can. Did it at, at like just either just over or just under 130, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like four mile an hour average around that track on a super stock bike. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so he's kind of like, so why do I want to spend the extra, you know, why would you want to spend the extra hundred and some odd thousand dollars to build a super bike for, but you can do that like on a super stock bike. But yeah, I mean that, that level of speed is just insane and then you go to and then they go to the yearly debate of well they need to slow it down they need to stop i'm like look adults these are adults that they're making a decision and you know what they're adults they made a decision and and that's it and i and i'm truly conflicted because i think oh i don't want to see somebody get killed but then there's a video uh if you go to facebook and search for uh superbike madness is the page they have video of this the lap record that dean harrison did it is jaw dropping. There is something truly amazing about it. It would be disappointing to just have mankind go, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure it will have to end someday, but that or they're going to say, all right, you, no more super bikes. Yeah. They're going to limit a- it to like 600, 600s and, and smaller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At which some point someone's going to stick a turbo on a 600. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like what they did with drag racing where they, the, the top fuels and the funny cars, they stopped racing the full quarter mile. Yeah. And now it's a thousand feet. Yeah. And, and I was really disappointed about it until I saw one of them run a thousand feet. I was like, yeah, okay. It's probably, probably was time to do that. Yeah. Yeah, When (laughs) when, when you're doing zero to 310 miles an hour in under four seconds. Yeah. (laughs) You know, exactly. Yeah. I don't think I've got anything. Oh, uh, one thing I did want to give a shout out. A discus user by the name of Spike Africa said they liked the podcast, wished it was more than once a month. So thank you for your kind words. Thanks for listening. And if anybody wants me to mention you on the air, just say something nice to us. You can always get a hold of us. Just search for False Neutral on Facebook. You can go to the False Neutral Shout Engine page. So go to Shout Engine and search for False Neutral, or you can go to iTunes and leave a comment there. We would appreciate it if you would do it on iTunes. Yes, give us a a vote. We would uh, appreciate that. Although, if you're going to say something lousy, email me. <laughs> there's there's a guy on on YouTube who's like, if you like the video, give it a thumbs up. If you don't like it, give it a thumbs down twice. Because if you do that, it doesn't. It <laughs> yes. just takes the thumbs down away. Yeah. So I think that's funny. Probably time to wrap this up. And uh, anything coming up that you think you're going to have to talk about next month? I'm. I know I'm not going to be doing any work. 
Uh, smack dab will have come and gone by the time we're here next, so I'll probably give a brief rundown on that. Anything else? I know you'll be announcing another race before next month. Yes. Yeah. Next this, weekend. Uh, okay. This, this weekend. This weekend, I'm I'm announcing. So yeah, that'll be uh, I'll be able to talk a little bit about that. And then hopefully the Yamaha will be running, provided that that the ignition makes the difference and that I don't have to go. Hey, Garrett, how you feel about rebuilding some carbs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if they need to be rebuilt, just let me know. I, um, am doing a four day motorcycle ride down to the North California coast, oh, cool. uh, later this month. So I'm going to go see the Redwoods. Very so, cool. Yep. Well, then we'll tell you all about that next month. Until then, ride safe and, uh, we will see you all next month. So long, gentlemen. Bye. Yep. Yeah.